HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Fair Kitchens. Learn about the Fair Kitchens code and join the movement at fairkitchens.com. This week on Meet and 3, I'm about to go on maternity leave. This is Katie Mosman-Wadler, and before I leave you in the incredibly capable hands of Team HRN, we're rounding out Season 5 with a deep dive into the food rules, weird cravings, and overall hype about eating while pregnant. There are a lot of safe foods to eat, and we shouldn't be sort of assuming that just because something is raw that it's dangerous. I just found myself feeling like there was an alien piloting my body and brain and uh, totally changed the way that I ate. So was it the eggplant? Sure. Why not? I just don't know. Tune in to this week's episode of Meet and 3 anywhere you listen to podcasts. I'll be back soon with our newest and tiniest producer in tow. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey guys, I'm Jimmy Carboni. Today is our first show of 2020. It's January 7th, 2020, and we've got some great guests here. Uh, we're going to talk about the Bronx and All Bronx collaboration, but let's give a shout out to the rise of the Bronx. I mean, to me, um, the group of, of people in this room who are part of the beer industry and, and Bronx business and culture uh, have been some of the shining stars in the craft beer world in New York City uh, for many years, and they really pushing this show to, to new limits. The collaborations that they've been doing have, have been really insightful and showcases to me just how important not only the the beer bar and, and small retail guys are in influencing trends in the industry, but also just how important uh, this whole community is. So let's go around the room. Everyone's going to introduce themselves because we have a lot of guests coming on. We're going to have a guest calling in from Tampa as well. But let's start with Joel, who uh, has, has helped put together these shows now for probably the fourth or fifth time. What up, what up? This is Joel Suarez from Uptown Beer Society. This is Matt Negron from Uptown Beer Society as well. Now, stop with you guys. You guys are... But your buddies, we, we've had you on a, f a few shows before, and, and you're real industry leaders. Um, how did you put together this collaboration? Um, Dave came up to me and said, why haven't you done a beer with me? <laughs> and I said, I would love to do a beer. I wanted to do our first collab with you. It just didn't happen that way. And um, he, he, I 
pitched him a few ideas and he said, I want to do all three. So this is, I said, let's make it a Bronx culture series. Well, he mentioned me and Bronx. He said, why haven't I done a beer with you and Bronx Beer Hall? And I said, I don't know. So then that's where the conversation kind of sparked. And I, I came up with the idea of doing a Bronx culture series and incorporating everybody who I feel is not only important to beer in the Bronx, but culture overall. And Matt? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting that we're like huge uh, Bronx advocates and the first several beer collaborations we did were with breweries from Brooklyn and Queens. And uh, this one is definitely has a special place in our heart being the uh, legitimate Bronx brewery. Great, let's keep going around the room. <laughs> What's going on? This is Paul Ramirez from the Bronx Beer Hall. And this is Anthony Ramirez from the Bronx Beer Hall. And you guys are players in the Bronx. I mean, you're like junior chamber of commerce guys influencing elections. Uh, I mean, since you guys have been of, of age, suddenly you've got the Bronx is influencing who's the speaker of the city council in New York City, and you might be deciding the next mayor. Yeah, so we'll see. How are you guys doing? Uh, doing well, man. Doing really well. Happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, we're always happy to sit around, talk about the Bronx, talk about beer, um, even if we have to come to Brooklyn to do it. <laughs> and you guys started a new thing called Taste of the Bronx. Yeah, uh, we started our, our latest company. So we own a bunch of Bronx-based companies. Um, one is the Bronx Beer Hall, uh, FromTheBronx.com, a consulting company called Mainland Media, and Taste of the Bronx. So we just started about a year ago with our partner, Sustainable Snacks, and it is a platform for small Bronx businesses. So um, every month we go to a new venue in the Bronx, and we feature 20 to 25 small Bronx businesses. And our um, November market was held at the Gun Hill Brewery for the launch of uh, Mama's Candy Dams. And that's the beer collaboration we're doing. So let's, let's go to Gun Hill. So, um, you know, you guys introduce yourselves because you, you guys are working there as well as making other beers. So. Yeah, yeah. How's it going? Um, this is Oscar Santiago of uh, First Borough Brewing and also of Gun Hill Brewing Company. And you guys were first working. How did you f first meet up with everyone here? And, and meet up with Gun Hill. Were you part of a home, the homebrew competition? Well, as far as Gun Hill um, and them being the legit Bronx brewery, you know, um, yeah, you know, um, always liked them, always liked dealing with them, always liked their beer from jump, from day one. Um, I met the Uptown Beer Society guys actually at Gun Hill Brewery at a homebrewing event they had called Homebrew Hero back in uh, late summer of 2017. Um, we clicked, we collaborated, had a lot of things in common. Um, you know, Bronx guys with similar upbringings with a love for craft beer, and that kind of brought us together. And pretty much since then, uh, we've been vibing since then. And then, so tell us, so you and, and Ray, introduce yourself. Hi, this is Ray Cortez from First Bar Brewing. Um, yeah, so Oscar and I are business partners. We're longtime friends um, since childhood. Um, you know, we started craft brewing uh, several years ago, home brewing, and, uh, you know, we decided to start a company um we just hit the ground running um we met the uptown beer guys um oscar started working for a gun hill which you know fit you know our plans because you know he brought a lot of knowledge uh from the brewing industry into our company that we're uh building as we speak so um, we're a startup um you know we uh, represent the bronx we're born and raised in the bronx um we live in the bronx um and uh, we're looking forward to producing beers uh, for the bronx and beyond great and uh our good buddy, <laughs> uh, Dave Lopez from Gun Hill Brewing Company. So, Dave, you're you're kind of the the key guy. I mean, I remember years ago when you first opened. Uh, I I went up there. It's like the place in the Bronx is like one of those last end of the subway kind of stops at Gun Hill area. It is definitely the last frontier up there. <laughs> that's for sure. 
but you you've really brought a lot of people together. So just tell us your philosophy. So you you've been hosting homebrew events. You've got guys like Oscar working in your cellar. You're participating in this collaboration. Yeah, I mean, I think it's very important that we give back to the Bronx community because the Bronx community has kind of made us who we are up to this point, and we've sort of tried to really ingrain ourselves in that community. So the homebrew event is for, is for to bring the craft community, the amateur craft community as well, uh, and give them an opportunity to win something and brew a commercial beer on our system, whether it's people from the Bronx, Westchester, Brooklyn, anywhere in the city, really anywhere in the uh, the metro area. And then with this collaboration, I, I did approach Joel pretty much exactly like that. Um, <laughs> Let's do it on there. Hey, I'm so. humble. I'm humble. Yeah. So pretend no, no. you're, you're going back. I literally just said, hey, how come we haven't done a collaboration with you guys? You guys are doing it with all these Brooklyn breweries, but we're the guys from the Bronx. You guys are from the Bronx. We're from the Bronx. And he looked at me and he literally had the, with the exact same voice intonation as, as he just did. He's like, I'd love to do one with you guys. Um, and so ever since, that was probably, I think that was over the summer, actually, at the home, when you were judging the homebrew competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, then just remind us of, of the other collaborations that you've done. You did a Dead Prez, which last winter was my favorite, the Vienna Lager, that was my favorite beer of, of last winter. Yeah, we did El Prez, yeah. Dead Prez, Not My Prez, and a spun version of Premier with Artist Skewville with Interboro, um, and a ton of other bars. And then we did... Uh, a beer called Biscocho, a Spanish cake IPA with Fifth Hammer and all the women of color in New York City. We did our first beer with KCBC. Um, it was with Tamarins and Guava. Uh, we did Bronx Dance Party with Barrier and a huge like alternative rock fest with Bronx Beer Hall as well, who vended in the back of the Point CDC That's in right. Hunts Point. Um, this is our first iteration of the three series with Gun Hill. And I feel like I'm missing one. Highway Manor. Highway Manor, yeah, we're we're doing a beer called uh, Cocotazo, which is a coconut tamarind uh, sour. Yeah, Cocotazo, which uh, we invented the name <laughs> and the style of beer. Um, and why is everyone laughing? So, from tell me about some of the the ingredients that, that you're working with, because what's the story behind the beer we're drinking now? Is it Mama's Candied Yams? Mama's Candied Yams, so, yes, which became a trend because everybody all of a sudden is doing sweet potato <laughs> candy yams, this and that. Um, it just was inspired. Everything we do is inspired by what is authentic to us and authentic to our upbringing, our cultures, our community. And not only that, we try to involve everybody around us. So when thinking of um, festive beers two years ago um, and the disaster that happened to Puerto Rico, we wanted to do something beautiful. So Uptown Beer Society, me and Matt got together with First Borough in a basement and we basically brewed... What is the test batch of this? We made two sixtos, which is 40 liters of beer, because there's a lot of loss in beer. And the smaller the batch, the more you're going to lose. So um, uh, Paul and Anthony were nice enough to let us tap it. So it was we did it on repeal day. So the day the Prohibition Act is lifted, December 5th, 2017, we tapped a home brew beer at Bronx Beer Hall. We did not collect money from the beer. We collected separate donations and we donated 100% of proceeds to Puerto Rico. Hurricane relief. For hurricane relief, hurricane yeah. Relief. So, um, like, you know, the beer took us $200 to make, So and we raised, like, $1,000 for Puerto Rico, so we barely have anything and we gave it all up. And that's kind of the... I, I kind of get confused on why everybody else can't do this. <laughs> so, Oscar, um, so, Mama's Candy Yam, yeah. tell us about the beer. 
Is it like a, a pumpkin ale? Yeah, it's 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 basically designed to be like the Actually, classic more holiday. More. It's really good. Uh, side dish, you know, um, <clears throat> has a little twist on a little Caribbean twist. Me and the uptown guys, Ray, us being of Puerto Rican descent and Dominican descent, Caribbean is popular to put uh, pineapples in candy yams and oven baked candy yams along with the marshmallow, cinnamon, and all the other ingredients. So we figured we'd just do that twist, you know. Um, didn't see anybody else with a similar beer out there, you know, and we thought that would be something cool to bring to market and uh, uh, basically highlight that type of you know, cultural food, you know, and in, in the beer that we're doing. So that's great. So is, is there a little lactose in this? Yes, there is lactose in the beer. And I got to give my mom a shout out. We, uh, she inspired the beer with her recipe, her candy am recipe. But you, are you trying, you're, you're trying to make a statement here too, as well. Like it's Bronx culture, um, different ingredients. T- tell us the bigger picture that, that, that you guys are working on. The bigger picture is kind of just to represent, um, a lot of breweries are coming into New York city. Um, and they're just to me like transplants, like they're just there they open their tap room and they kind of forget about what's outside and they get mad at certain things like didn't you know where you were coming um gun hill comes to mind as one of those breweries that since day one try to cater to the neighborhood so their first two beers which are award-winning beers were brewed for the jamaican neighborhood so void of light being a foreign stout inspired by guinness and gold being inspired by red stripe off the jump they made something for the community they have wicked jerk uh, roasting um, jerk right outside from the community. So off the jump, just, you know, out of their heart, they're doing things for the community. And whether I see a trend after a while, after somebody gets shit, then they want to kind of do something for the community and involve people of color and get these people of color in their tap room to get kind of verified and then use their ideas and not give them any type of, like, you know, ownership. So that's where I stand with that. Our mission statement is just to take back ownership and, and make one community. It's not about us versus them. I get shit for that a lot. I think also from our perspective at the brewery, um, you know, we there's the Bronx is still, aside from a handful of people, the Bronx is still not pre- predominantly a craft, brewer, uh, craft beer borough. So I think we're trying to do things that, that represent... Uh, a little bit of the the cultural aspect of things to get more people in the Bronx paying attention to this, more bars, more restaurants paying attention to what's actually going on and what the people of the borough want to drink too. That's great. Anybody, Paul, you want to jump in? Um, you have a lot to say. I know you Sorry, do. Sorry, I was busy. Yeah. <laughs> busy, busy opening a beer. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, the Bronx Beer Hall came about uh, with just the overall idea that we're here to re-engage the Bronx community and to make them, to reintroduce the Bronx itself. Well, you know, we're fortunate to be on Arthur Avenue, which is the number two tourist destination in uh, the borough. Um, but Bronxites weren't, you know, spending as much time on Arthur Avenue as they should. And, like, we saw that it's a food mecca, you know, it's a cultural hub, and it's a space that, you know, Bronx, Bronx culture as it stands today should be a, a 100% a part of. Um, so with, while opening the beer hall within the Arthur Avenue market, we've done um, just a lot to make sure that we're partnering directly with uh, community members, community organizations, um, you know, groups like Uptown Beer Society, it's a DJ collective called um, Uptown Vinyl Supreme that we work with, um, you know, g- groups, activists like um, Hydropunk and, and Odiosas. So there's, there's a bunch of different organizations that we work with within the borough that are very grassroots, but we do a lot to really give it a face and to give it... Um, to give them a space where everybody, you know, feels safe and everybody's comfortable. Let's change it up. So the the you guys have the brand First Borough Brewery, yeah. um, and I think Joel wanted to say something about it. You know, what is it about New York State that you you guys have a brand? You, you can make a beer, but you don't have a brewery. 
Uh, let's talk about that aspect. First of all, here. round of applause because they just got approved by New York State, right? Yeah. Woo! Let's right. talk a little more about right. that. That's right. We just recently uh, got licensed by the state to sell, so um, we're putting the finishing touches on our production facility right now, and we'll hopefully be up and running in the next uh, month or two uh, selling beers. Um, you know, First Bar Brewing, just the name, a lot of people ask us about that. You know, first of all, it's the first bar in our hearts. You know, we're New Yorkers. Um, we've had business dealings in every single bar, you know, reason to be here, there. But, you know, it's always, it always comes back to the Bronx, you know. Um, our production facility right now is on the edge of the Bronx, right off First Street in Mount Vernon. Um, you know, uh, it's the first borough in hip-hop, which was very influential to us growing up, you know. There's a lot of similarities uh, in hip-hop and craft beer, you know, from the different styles and ways to do things. So, you know, that was inspiration on our creativity. And, uh, you know, like I said, um, some of the, the, the first uh, brewers in New York were from the Bronx. Like Jonas Bronx, when he came here, was a home brewer. We're home brewers, and, you know, we, we re represent with them. We recognize, um, you know, um, how difficult it is to, 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 to do their craft. Matt? Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's really interesting. I'm gonna keep calling Matt because I know he has the most to say of anyone in this room. <laughs> we uh, no, this is this is an incredible group to be a part of. Um, you know, part of these collabs and just and consider these guys my friends as well. Just because we have uh, we have just this like subconscious awareness of like the culture that's around us, and we see so many of these breweries doing things that feel like exploitive and and not authentic, and uh, it's just it's awesome to be part of something that's so. So give me an example. I mean, we talk about, you know, cultural appropriation. I mean, you guys came up with Mama's Candy Yams. You're, you know, wh we, what we, are you talking about? For us, we grew up eating that, and it's part of our, like, it's our, part of our yeah. lives and part of our culture. So when we see people take it and in some ways exploit it and just use it for the name or the marketing aspect of it, but have no true connection to it, it just feels like they're taking something that is, uh, like, intellectual well, What do you mean? Do you, what do you mean exactly? You mean there are specific examples, or you think that people are, are riffing on Bronx culture or hip hop um, or something? I mean, you see this, I guess, in every industry, but it's uh, with beer, especially. It feels like such a uh, like a disposable thing with with people's lives and cultures and things that people identify with and grew up with. Um, so for us, we we always want to represent what's real to us and what and what we grew up on and what's authentic versus yeah. trying to just capitalize and market something that ha we have nothing to do with or, or no true connection yeah, it's to. like a, it's like a new rapper like waving a gun and grew up in the suburbs and he's trying to act gangster like you're not about that why why don't you just represent what is authentic to you because it'll be so beautiful to have an even deeper conversation when somebody is like hitting you with questions and concerns and you're like yes 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 because it's it's authentic to you i don't understand what's so difficult about that paul right i think i think because um, you, you, know, you it, said it's what, just a question ask about, about cultural appropriation. Well, I didn't say I, that. <laughs> I didn't say that. That wasn't Paul. That was me. Because I um, want to understand it too. I think I think the conversation is that you know our culture and our lives and our, you know what what makes us true New Yorkers um, and true Latinos as well. Um, those things shouldn't be sold as a novelty. It shouldn't be about can art and like what's going to move it. Is it a funky name? Is it a funky hashtag? But then, you know, it's like this idea of bodega culture, right? Like bodega culture is everywhere and everybody buys into this. Oh, um, you know, since it's familiar to me, as a, whether I'm a New Yorker or a transplant, like there's a thing where we um, automatically connect on, right? So in that being a tool, I think whether you're selling it as kitschy or novelty, like that's when the real questions of, of authenticity come in and, and who you are and what you're saying for your brand and for the people who, who for, to your audience and who your audience is. Right. Are you doing it because you believe in it and it's true to you or you're doing it for the gram and you're doing it for likes yeah. and you're doing it for, 
you know, street cred. And I think a lot of what sells these days is this sort of faux authenticity. So you go online and, you know, I always laugh when I, I remember this Instagram of Lil Bow Wow. I know, taking a picture saying, I'm on my private jet, and there's a girl on the, on the other aisle taking a picture of him and coach next to him, you know? That always makes me laugh, of course, because he has to front, he has to do this, because that's what, that's what people are doing now, and that's what this culture has kind of led to. And we um, really try to focus on, you know, I've been drinking every time someone said the word Bronx today, and I'm a little tipsy right now. <laughs> but really, you know, the Bronx is what is true to us, and it is, you know, it, it's a huge part of who we are and, and a huge part of our upbringing, and it's authentic and real and original to us. And I think that plays a big part in all that and we then do. Let's quickly, the second beer we have? Oh, we have a maple bacon void of light, yeah. which we recently just canned over at the brewery. Gun Hill. Is, yeah, at Gun Hill Brewery. It is our, our award-winning void of light export stout. Uh, it's flavored with uh, bacon and maple syrup. And it's a nice winter warmer. You know, it gives you that... Uh, that feeling of being right by a campfire. Is, is that a new smoky. recipe, the, the the maple bacon? We actually released it last That's year, right? Yeah, we, we, we did it last year um, in a smaller version, and we were the response was overwhelmingly popular, so we, we brewed it a little bit bigger. This is the first time it's in cans, so it'll be coming then, out soon. So Gone Hill, the Void of Light, that was one, was that one of your first GABF winning beers? It was the first one. We won a gold medal for it in 2014 in our first year, and then we won another medal again this past year for it. It's great. And you want to keep... Yeah, just just want to touch on uh, what Anthony was saying. Well, uh, a lot of it feels like a slap in the face, too, especially when, it's, when these things that we see now uh, slapped on the side of a can were things that we were looked down upon or, mm -hmm. or were considered bad. Like, we see graffiti all over these cans, and the same breweries that will have graffiti over their cans will post Instagram posts about how could someone tag up uh, graffiti in their bathrooms in the middle of Ridgewood or Brooklyn. Or <laughs> it, it's just like, it, it just, it, a lot of it is, like, contradictory and, like, hypocritical. And, yeah, this is our real life, so we, we do see these things, and... It, it does uh, hit a nerve every now and then. Yeah, just using, like, slang and stuff to sound cool, but you don't talk like that. What is the... I just don't get the point. And, like, even yep. Monk, Monkish just released two beers that... One is a Krylon design, which is a can of paint that graffiti artists use, and the other is Montana 94. I'm like, are you guys writers? Are you guys... Why are you stealing somebody's thing that is part of art? Like, it's not like it's, like, a joke or, like, an insider, like... Just yeah. do more. That's something that we would. That's something that we went to jail for as as kids and you know teenagers when we would do graffiti and things. And now you see it on a can, and now it's like acceptable. And, and va vandalism is cool. It's street art now. So it's either it's either art or it's vandalism. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> ask a couple questions here. So who wants to talk about the, the, the places that they're working at now? Um, I'd like to, I know about Bronx Beer Hall, but. You've hosted things like launches for these types of beers. Tell us some of the things that are going on in Bronx Beer Hall right now. I think it's important that, that you guys have, you're located in, and I love retail establishments. I love going in. I feel like it's a great way to influence, you know, culture and everything. Absolutely. So. And, you know, we uh, opened the beer hall more as a community space than a beer hall. Obviously, beer and, and wine and um, food are a lot of the reason people come, but it was first and foremost a community space. And before Paul goes into the list of events that are on our calendar, um, I will say make sure you check bronxbeerhall.com. We have a full calendar of events. We Keep have it at that, yeah. One to two to three every day, <laughs> every week. And the full focus is, um, you know, it's not, um, we don't host events just to host events. We host events to get people together and get them talking to one another and communicating with one another. 
And what I wanted to say something, you know, people of color are working in the industry, you know, um, Let's talk about where you work. So, Oscar, tell us what your job is at Gone Hill, because it's pretty interesting. Well, over at Gun Hill, I am the cellarman. The cellarman's responsibilities basically include uh, transferring beer, carbonating beer. I basically, in ch- I'm in charge of the beer after it's fermented, pretty much. I package it, I carbonate it, and in conjunction with the head brewer and the assistant brewer, we do quality control tests and similar things like that to ensure good beer. That's an important, and, and you're learning as as you as you absolutely. I'm learning as, well. as I'm going. I'm, I'm I'm delighted to be working at Gun Hill. I've learned so much. Uh, big shout out to Chris Prout, head brewer. Um, Brad Nagel, the assistant brewer. I've learned so much from those guys and things that I'll be able to apply to my business going forward into the future. And then Matt, you're working at a, at a new place too. Yeah, I'm actually one of the head bartenders right now at a place called the Grand Delancey in the LES. We're located in the Essex Street. Uh, food market. Um, it's a new venture by the NRG Group uh, gr- uh, beer director Greg Enger. It's like ch- Church Key and right. In so if DC. you're familiar with the Church Key stuff, DC Blue Jacket, those guys, the Sovereign, um, really incredible uh, r- uh, group of restaurants and bars and breweries um, that created their first project in New York. That is really ambitious and is and it's just they're knocking it out the park. And I'm working with really incredible guys. Like shout out to Alex Zioli. Um, and uh, Sam Schwartz as well, and Greg Engert. That's great. We're, we're going to take a short break. We're going to have um, one of your buddies, Dom from Beer Cultures, is calling in from Tampa, and we're going to talk with him and can keep this conversation going in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. We'll just come back, and then we'll talk to these guys. This episode is brought to you by Fair Kitchens. The food service industry faces a challenge. More people are eating out, yet restaurants are losing talent. Why is this? Research by Fair Kitchens reveals a serious well-being issue within professional kitchens. 74% of chefs are sleep deprived to the point of exhaustion. 63% of chefs feel depressed. And more than half feel pushed to the breaking point. This can't be ignored. Fair Kitchens is a movement based on the belief that a positive kitchen culture makes for a healthier business. By taking the pledge to be a Fair Kitchen, they'll provide you with free information, tools, and resources to help you take action towards making your restaurant more stable, productive, and happy, which positively affects the guest experience. It's time to act now. Learn about the Fair Kitchens code and join the movement at fairkitchens.com. Hey, hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, we're celebrating the Bronx today. We got the Mama's Candy Yam collaboration uh, made with Uptown Beer Society at Gun Hill Brewery in the Bronx. Um, special guest is on is on uh, from Tampa. He's calling in. It's Dom from Beer Culture. Dom, um, how are you, man? We're excited to have you call in. You've been a big part of these collaborations, I know. I'm doing great, man. How you doing? Great, buddy. Um, first, um, I think Dave from Gun Hill wants to ask you a question. Dom, how's it going, man? What's going on, Dave? Good. Uh, I want. I was just curious. Did you get a chance to try the beer? Yes. 
What what'd you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joel Joel set me out. Joel got me some it, it, it is it's I mean, it is nothing short of what I, I imagined it to be. Yeah. You know? Uh yeah, yeah, it was very, very good, very balanced. Um you know, and the, uh, it's not surprising though. I mean, coming coming from everybody that was involved with it, you know, uh, it, at the Bronx, we put on how we put on. You know what I'm saying? What's up, Dom? <laughs> we, we, we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna get you up to the Bronx for one of the next two collaborations. That's a fact, man. Uh, it's sometime sometime within uh, 2020. I'll be back up top, um, and yeah, we definitely gonna get it popping. Okay, good. You know, good. Dom, Dom you, you've been a big part. I mean, Joel and Matt, um, we've had them on quite a few times, and they always talk about beer culture. Um, tell us about your book. So this ain't the beer that you're used to. Um, yep. Yep. So uh, I released that. We released that uh, almost a year ago, uh, March 2019. And, and uh, basically the book came about, you know, just – a lot of books out there about beers no books written uh in 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 the language that that i speak there's no books you know written for uh the demographic of of people that were constantly around you know your average people from the bronx you know what i'm saying can't pick up a beer book that's going to speak to them in their in their in their everyday dialect you know so it was basically uh just doing something that for us and that you know just uh allows us to learn in a way that we learn best and in, in a way that's real to us solid to us and that, that, that teaches us you can give it to anybody whether they like beer whether they don't like beer uh and they'll be able to relate to it they'll be able to understand it a little bit better than reading beer books that got all of these big words in it and all of this other stuff it's just like when you come to beer, that can be daunting, especially when you first come to it. So it's a beginner's guide. And when you get beginners to come, you want to break it down to them as easy as possible. You know, you don't want it to be overly complicated or nothing like that. So, you know, that was the backdrop of the book. We did a, a lot of events two years prior leading up to writing a book and got tons and tons and tons of questions. And so, you know, my mindset was like, let me just put something together so that people can have you know, we, we answer as many questions uh, as we can in the book and, and, and just give them a good starting off point, something that they could take with them when they go to uh, bars or breweries or, or package stores or whatever the case may be. They can open it up. They can read a description of a beer and see what they want, you know, so. Uh, hey, Dom. That's, that's it, hey, Dom, um, I actually have the book right here. I'm gifting it to Jimmy. Um we're actually Uptown Beer Society's official New York City vendor of this novel, which I like to call because it's a beautiful book. And uh, we're actually about to open Culture Chronicles Volume 1, your collab, if you want to talk a little bit about it. Uh, Culture Chronicles Volume 1, that's a that's a collab we did with uh, Green Bench. Shout out to Chris. Shout out to the whole Green Bench out here in St. Pete. We just, uh, you know... In, in, in St. Pete, and it's like this in a lot of other places, but in, in Pinellas County, which is right outside Tampa, uh, it's estimated that like 7,000 kids don't have beds to sleep on. So kids are sleeping on uh, just like thin futon mattresses on the floor, blow-up beds. Some kids are sleeping on, on sofas. Like, you know, like it's, some kids may have one small little bed that is 
multiple kids sharing. Like, you know, it's it's, it's crazy. So over 7,000 kids estimated don't get a good night rest. So we teamed up with Greenfinch uh, to work on putting this beer together. It's a whole lineup of beers that we're going to do, but that's the first one uh, to where we make uh, donations for the beer to uh, a charity called Building Beds. I'm sorry, to a charity called Building Beds. Um, we go out with them uh, every so often and, and put beds together, deliver beds to kids, put them together, make them up, put the bedding on, uh, get to see the, the smiles on kids' faces. It, you know, they, they get to get a good night rest now. So, yeah, that, that's about that beer right there. Yeah, Dom, that's important. That's another thing we didn't mention is that from each uh, iteration of the series of Bronx Culture Series, we'll be donating to a different cause. So, we donated proceeds from the tap room to uh, the Point CDC, which is a nonprofit which helps with soup kitchens. Paul helped and Anthony helped set that up. And that's another thing we were talking about, about how people use culture but don't give back. And even though we're part of the culture, we're making sure that we give back to somebody from each one of these series. And I, and I also, this is Matt, I also want to stress how important, what's up, uh, Dom, how's it going, brother? What's going on? I want to stress how important uh, books like this are and people like Dom are. Uh, it's, it's interesting how... Uh, we have almost parallel thinking in a way because this book is 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 uh, like an entry level for many people who look like us and sound like us and talk like us to get part of the craft beer community, which is something that Joel and I have been pushing with Uptown Beer Society and trying to just verbalize this with people in person because a lot of the reason we don't see people of color in the industry is because they don't have that, that entry level, that barrier to entry. So I just want to say uh, good job with the book, man. It's amazing. Appreciate that, man. And no, you're right, man. It's, 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 it's definitely vital. I mean, it's always been, in my opinion, since I first stepped foot into the industry, it's always been uh, vital to me to really be able to represent uh, for us, you know, as us, you know, and, and, and not, not try to or not have to or be forced to tone down who we are, talk differently, act differently. That's what a lot of people are. are forced to do, whether that's overtly or whether that's, you know, uh, just like right. under the radar. A lot of people feel they got to do that. And so for me, it's always been important that, nah, we're not doing that because, you know, it, no one else has to do that. So why, why would we have to come into the industry and, and tone down who we are? Right. Hey, Dom, just, um, just tell yeah. us about the beer. So you, I know you made the beer with Green Bench. Tell us about yep. your relationship with Green Bench, and actually, what is this beer? It, it, it's really good. It's hoppy. Yeah, so so Green Bench is the homies, man. We've been building with Green Bench for the past, was well, Chris specifically, a few other people from Green Bench for the past four years or so. Um, we don't we don't beer culture as beer culture. We don't do too many collaborations. Um, we, we really rock with who we rock with. If, 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 if we feel you, if you're genuine, if you're 100, then we rock with you. And so uh, that's what really brought the collaboration with Green Bench along. We, it's just we've been building with them for so long, and Chris is a solid guy on top of being a world-renowned brewer. Uh, so it, it just made sense. And so that beer, the first beer is a dry hop, triple dry hop IPA, uh, lemon drop hops, etc. We just wanted something smooth, something easy. Uh, people are in love with IPAs, so we started off. We decided to start off with that. Wanted to give something easy drinking, um, still flavorful, and so 
yeah, that's what we that's what we zeroed in on to start off with. But we got a lot of more traditional stuff on the way. All right, so hang back, Dom. We're going to talk a little more in the group, and we'll and we'll we'll bring you back in in a minute. So I want to ask the guys in, in the room here because it's all guys. It's Latin, this is the Latin X crew, Dom Latin X. But where's the women? They're with us. I mean, we you know, there's a lot of women now in the industry. Um, women of color are the very minimalistic, like they're the really the minority um, in this industry. But uh, that's that was a big reason why I, I reached out to Fifth Hammer was to invite. Um, all women of color, whether they're in the industry or not, if they're buying beer and supporting beer, um, they're more inclined to inspire somebody else to do the same. Just like Matt was saying, like if we don't see somebody that we can identify with, we don't feel welcome. That's why a lot of people in the gentrified Brooklyn neighborhoods that are from there don't feel like they could go into certain bars or even when they go into a craft beer bar, if somebody's like, this is, this is instead of reiterating a question and saying, we have a great Pilsner, they go, we only have craft beer. We don't have Bud. Right. And I feel like, you know, the response yeah. should be a little more interactive and you should be a little more soft when there's people of the neighborhood or people of color approaching your establishment because, you know, they get obsessed with shit and they really, they throw down. Like, I've gotten my best tips from people of color, you know what I'm saying? Like... When they get obsessed with something or into something, they really follow and they take it seriously, and you know they appreciate that genuine uh, reciprocation. Great, Oscar, you, uh, you brought another Gun Hill beer. Uh, uh, yes. What's we the next have one? A few here. Trying to get all um, the beers. The next uh, one I'm going to be mentioned on air is our <laughs> Antigua Moon Fruit Smoothie IPA brewed yeah. with coconut and orange puree. Oh, nice. That's next up on deck. And Dave, you want, you want to say anything about that beer? I haven't even had it yet. It's brand new, so I haven't even tried it yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's try it on air. Let's hear it. Yeah, yeah let's David, let's David from Gun Hill. Gun Hill's Dave, definitely to me, I want to give a shout-out to Gun I love the, the, the people in this room. Um, Dave from Gun Hill, when, when he first opened Gun Hill, he was a fresh voice for New York City Brewers. Um, he's been involved in Beer Week and, and I know the New York City Brewers Guild. But, Dave, you, you've always, to me, you, you've been this fresh voice and um, just wanted to give you a toast, man. Uh, thanks for cheers. being supportive. Cheers. Cheers to and, uh, cheers. Thank yeah. you. Cheers. And thanks for doing this with, with these guys, because yeah, I, I love these stories. Thanks for collaborating with us, Dave. No, but, um, yeah, so, I mean, wh wh why beer culture? I mean, I, you know, Dom, I'm talking about you, but I want Joel to tell us. I mean, for, for last year and a half, he's always he always says beer culture came up, beer yeah. culture this. What, why, what does he mean to you um, if he's down in Tampa? How does yeah. he... How does he how does that connect with you so guys in the Bronx? Dom was born and raised in Soundview, um, one of the most dangerous neighborhoods in the Bronx to this day. Um, News 12, the, the actual facility is right around there. I don't know. Dom has been like a person that understands me fully. Like I can text him. I could DM him about anything and he'll straight understand. And he won't. He won't ever be insensitive to what I'm feeling. He'll be like, yeah, man, fucking suckers. Like, I get you. I don't fuck with nobody. Like, he's the same. He's just, he's literally the same. Because we come from the same, like, we can tell fakeness and authentic, like, people that are not authentic. And, like, he's just always been, he's a kid from the street like me. Like, we were, we were born and raised in bad neighborhoods. And we got out of that and we got into beer. And, you know, sometimes when we open our minds or we talk a certain way, people want to diminish what we actually been through in the beer industry or know based off how we act or carry ourselves. And I will, I will second what Dom says is you don't have to surrender your culture or who you are. 
And we've all done it. I used to call CCS Magazine as a kid, a skateboarding magazine. And I'd be like, hey, dude, how much is a Spitfire tea? Like, I would literally change my voice because I didn't feel like they would fuck with me on the phone. You know what I'm saying? And um, growing up and seeing more people get involved, whether it was punk culture or metal in the Bronx that were from the hood or people of color, it made me feel like, oh, I can embrace who I am even if it, if this is extreme sports or punk music and the same thing with beer. So we've been in this shit back to back just in different little cultures. Yeah, it's fact. So uh, in, I'm looking at Dom's book. Um, one thing that you're saying there, this is some people call it dry January and, and there's a debate <laughs> about it. I think it's hogwash, but uh, th- there's an idea that you can drink responsibly and, and, and sessionably on a regular basis. And it's part of our life since, you know, the beginning of civilization, you know, so when you're, how do you stay positive and and talk about something like alcohol? I'm not asking this to Dom and maybe in communities that, that have problems, you know, historically with alcohol and other substances, how do you, how do you find that craft beer is that vehicle for you to spread all this love? Because, um, it's more, I think to me, beer is more than just, it's not just alcohol and it's not just drugs. There's something about it. I think one of the, the beautiful things about craft beer is it's not just about uh, just trying to get shit-faced and drunk. It's a, it, it actually, uh, in many ways, it starts a lot of awesome conversations about ingredients and, and technique and craft and small batch. And you know who you're supporting and you're supporting local most of the times and or mom and pop. Um, so it, it does... It does feel different than your typical, like, dive bar, you know, cheaper, premium, macro lager. Well, I mean, I think craft beer in general is meant to be savored. You know, it's meant to be enjoyed. Um, Something to be enjoyed responsibly. Um, Like Matt said earlier, we don't promote getting shit-faced or drunk. We don't think that's that's part of the culture. You know, craft beer is supposed to be enjoyed. Um, The nuances, the subtle qualities that each beer might have and um it's almost like appreciating a piece of art you know um how we grew up looking at graffiti burners on the walls you know you just look there stunned and it takes a you know a sight within sight to see what's really there you know and it's open for interpretation and i feel craft beer is the same way yeah. you know um you can sit down like we're all right now with a group of our friends and all have different opinions opinions on the beer you know we might uh, taste different nuances or smell different things you know and um it's just a great thing to bring about uh, conversation, you know, and, and uh, healthy debate. I mean, America doesn't have to be a place where it's all or nothing, you know. Yeah. You guys, you rolled this out on repeal day, you know, so it's like it's not doesn't have to be dry January or prohibition versus, you know, all out partying. Um, but what is the what is the culture that, that, that we want to embrace? Because I, I, to me, it's a culture of life, celebration, you know, daily meals, community with friends. And communication, open communication. You should be able, whoever, whatever room you're in, say what you're thinking, say what's on your mind, and encourage, you know, conversation and debate, right? There's, you should never be afraid to say something that's on your mind just because you're going to be attacked because it's a different mm-hmm. opinion than what's in the room. And, and I think sometimes if, you need a little bit of If you're not into that. debate or you're scared of judgment, <laughs> yeah. You should also Craft be sensitive. You should be sensitive if somebody's hurt instead of saying, oh, he's bugging or he's upset or he's a loose cannon, which is what I get pigeonholed in. I'm just trying to be that voice that says that's kind of wrong and that brings me pain. How do I how do I express myself through that? And it's mostly by tagging you on Instagram and coming at your IG, <laughs> which is not always the best, but you know. But for me, it's like having to be like, I can have an, an Irish stout, Irish dry stout, you can say it's Guinness style, but 3.5% alcohol. I can have a pint of that at a meal. 
in, in a social setting and, 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 and enjoy my time with someone. And I don't feel like I'm breaking any rules by doing that. Yeah, dude. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like right now, I'm working at J Street Metro Tech, a little spot called Brooklyn Beer Barrel. And I'm telling you, like, the diversity in that neighborhood is like straight suits and absolute nuts. And, um, but I take my time, even though somebody's insane, like, like literally crazy, I take my time with them and I try to get them off of the cores because we don't have malt liquor. And I try to, and they are literally changing. Now they're drinking too hearted and stone people that no one else would pay attention to. And I feel like the first step is drinking better. Then you start thinking about artisanal food and then it start, you know, you change your coffee and you start, start to change the way of life. And I feel like it starts with what you consume. Yeah, you, it, the, the, you you it really does influence uh, <laughs> like a certain consciousness and, and what we're consuming from, like Joel said, from the foods we eat to the coffee we drink to who we're supporting with our dollars. Um, craft beer really does open up a world of like, you know, just being aware of that. And kind then of the, thing. the alcohol industry can't say that there's any health benefits to it, but a lot of farmers I talk to, more and more people say eating locally and, and from lo- locally sourced. Food is the number one thing you can do for your health, and I believe it's the same, same for drinking. So um, let's let's wrap up. Let's talk about Bronx craft beer because we're, yeah. we're getting back to where we started. Davey, Gun Hill, you've really made a, a, a statement. You opened up in the Bronx. Um, you've got guys like Oscar and Ray falling and opening up First Borough. You've got Bronx Beer Hall. Tell us about making craft beer in the Bronx. We'll wrap it up. Well, I can tell you it was a, it was a big unknown when we started. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> people thought we were crazy. Yeah. Um, people still think we're crazy, but um, it's it's definitely come a a long way. I mean, I think our, our tasting room is not as busy as we'd like it to be or as it could be, but um, we're, we're definitely seeing, um, as Joel alluded to earlier, we're, we're seeing people from the neighborhood who weren't into craft beer that we're looking for Guinness that we're looking for red stripe that are now coming in and they're not asking for that anymore they're asking for our beers by name and sitting and and trying other stuff as a result of that so we've sort of had the gateway into the craft beer world for them and now they're experiencing and experimenting with all different varieties that we're making Uh, so we're definitely I mean it's been six almost six years uh, but it's 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 starting to really happen is there any more of the mama's candy yams? Uh, no. You mean here? Did we drink it all? <laughs> we got some crazy. <laughs> Wait, we have one more beer that you guys made? Is there something else, Joel? Uh, we opened Another Bronx Dance Party, which is from June, which tasted fine. Well, let's and we have some one can of <laughs> Not surprised. My Perez. <laughs> no, I would think it was like a multi-year lager, but it, it held up. And then there's this Not My Perez that we have since August, which tasted all right. I had it a few weeks ago. And then we got this Savion grape oak aged strange landscape uh saison that we're gonna pop open matt i want you to wrap it up because you're the thinker (laughs) (laughs) no i just want to say uh you know like touching on what dave was saying like being that like uh entry uh you know brewery for a lot of a lot of people who weren't into craft beer before um this group of people is i can't stress how important they are like just from what uh, this last Saturday the Bronx Beer Hall guys had the legendary Tony Touch DJ at yeah. their bar and like I don't understand I don't I don't people I don't know if people understand how insane that is in craft beer it is easily the coolest bar to go to in New York City if you're into craft beer and culture um, so yeah we'll take straight that all day up. yeah straight up we're actually we're actually doing a um, 
a BX Brood uh, takeover bat in on January eighteenth. January eighteenth. Yeah, so we're gonna feature um, two styles from Gun Hill. Uh, obviously, Mama's Candy Games, which is also produced at Gun Hill, so that's already half of our draft system. It's three three styles straight out of Gun Hill. Uh, we got um, Alewife, which is currently producing in the Bronx. Uh, Talia, which is currently producing in the Bronx, and Torch and Crown, which are all producing. Nice. At I feel Torch like you're leaving Crown. something out. I just can't um, get it. No. That's okay, all authentic. That's going to happen oh, yeah. after the uh, the Barrel Age Festival at Gun Hill that day, right? Yeah. Perfect. Oh, well, perfect. So you, you, come to the, you, come, you come <laughs> yeah. to the Barrel Age Festival at Gun Hill, and then you go to the Bronx hey, Beer Hall. Hey, Oscar, tell them what, we, what we're right, serving that. at the Barrel. We have a spun version of, of Candy Yams, right? Oh, definitely, man. I'm really looking forward to that one. It is a version of Mama's Candy Yams aged in maple rye whiskey barrels. So yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward edition. to that one. Yeah, definitely a cask edition. That was a uh, creation uh, with me and uh, the head brewer, Chris Prout. Ooh. We both came up with it. And uh, yeah, we're, we're really excited. We're really excited. And, and only, want... only available that day. So come check it out go... January 18th at Gun Hill Brewery. We're going to have tickets available. tickets available at Eventbrite. Eventbrite and almost sold out, so make sure you order them soon. And I don't, I don't want to give too list. much away about the next collaboration with Gun Hill Brewery either because we got a lot of breweries out here that like to uh, borrow ideas <laughs> and intellectual property. But uh, just keep an eye out for the new Gun Hill Brew coming out soon. Uh, it's with an iconic, I'll give you a hint, it's with an iconic New York City uh, icon that we're going to be an collaborating with. Yes. Um, and it's going to be uh, using the Voidalite award-winning base uh, stout in that collab. And we do have another collab coming out with Highway Manor. You should keep an eye out for it called Coco Tasso. If you guys don't remember, the original Coco Tasso created by us is with coconut, tamarind, and sour. So that's going to be coming out soon. You guys, it's, it's always a great show. You, you guys keep inspiring me. Let's go around the room one more time. Everybody say their name and, and who they're working with. Joel Suarez. I work alone. I represent myself in Uptown <laughs> Beer Society. He's a revolutionary. Watch out, America. <laughs> Matt Negro from Uptown Beer Society. Follow us at, up, at UptownBeerSociety.com on Instagram. Yeah. Paul Ramirez from the Bronx Beer Hall. Follow us at Bronx Beer Hall, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Snapchat. Anthony Ramirez from the Bronx Beer Hall. I can't do an accent. No TikTok. <laughs> no Oscar Santiago of First Ball Brewing and Gun Hill Brewing. Ray Cortez, First Ball Brewing, firstballbrewing.com. Catch us on Instagram and Facebook. Follow us. Dave Lopez, Gun Hill Brewing Company. Well, I want to thank everybody for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. Once again, guys, an Uptown Beer Society show. You guys rocked it out. Thank you so much. from Tampa. If you have any questions for us at Beer Sessions Radio, you can email askbeersessionsradio at gmail.com. We'll answer on the air. We have a lot of great shows lined up for 2020, so send in your questions to the experts. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producer, Dylan Hoyer, our intern, Kevin Chang-Barnum, and our engineer, Matt Patterson. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. Happy 2020! Beer Sessions Radio is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. 
Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.